the reading of God's Word, I ask if you have a Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Um, we were in the book of Deuteronomy for several months back in the fall, and uh, we took a break for Advent and for our prayer series. And now, uh, by God's grace, we're continuing uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 7 today, <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, where we will be uh, for the next several months as well, uh, with a few breaks here and there. Uh, as we've been going through Deuteronomy, it is our hope and prayer that we will see that uh, that the gospel, the good news of, of who God is and what he's done, and ultimately through Jesus and his coming kingdom, uh, the gospel is, is good news, uh, but the gospel is, is old school news. The gospel is not uh, new news, but it's um, actually old news. It's the resounding theme of scripture for us as we read uh, God's word from Genesis to Revelation. It is the ongoing story of God's redemption of his people, of God rescuing his people from Satan, sin, death, darkness, brokenness, fear, pride, and uh, restoring us to right relationship with him and with each other, both now and for eternity. And so that is the good news. And the book of Deuteronomy has a place in God's word in, in pointing us to Jesus so that we find our ultimate joy in Christ. Um, the book of Deuteronomy was written um, thousands of years ago and um, points us to Jesus. And that is such good news. So let me pray as we read from Deuteronomy chapter 7 today. <clears throat> Father God in heaven, we thank you that you are a good and glorious God. And God, through the cross of Christ, we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. And Lord, I thank you that you have gathered us to uh, these, uh, the reading of your word. And the, God, we thank you that you have inspired you glory. Deuteronomy chapter 7, for you, the Hittites. The, and when the Lord your God, no mercy to them, you other gods. Then they have their pillars. And child, God has chosen you together more. And is keeping the oath that he swore Egypt, commandments to a thousand generations. Pay him to his face. And because you listen to these, he will love you. His identity prompts obedience. And obedience brings about blessing. Where you find your identity will be the ultimate motivation with how you live your life. Whatever you find your identity in, whether it be a relationship or a career or a school or whether it's Comfort or convenience or monetary security, fame, status, pleasure, wherever you find your ultimate identity, uh, that will be what you pursue with your motivations. Uh, you will be, in a sense, enslaved to whatever you find your identity in. And today we see this story of God doing something amazing for his people Israel. They had been enslaved in Egypt in bondage. They had uh, for, for several generations, and God had come down and through uh, signs and wonders had done amazing things to free them, to, to prove to his people that he was their God, to set them free and to, to lead them to a place where they could thrive. And this actual event, Deuteronomy, although it happened in a new way. He's with an instruction, with command for us to see that obedience at the beginning and, and toward the end and the new identity God's people have because of God's work. We can't jump to commandments and obedience without seeing that. Because if we walk in the room and say, today I'm going to give you a list of rules that you must do so that you can be God's people, well, that has no gospel in it. 
If we walk in here today and we look at the Bible as a book of to-dos and to-don'ts and say, well, if I can do these things, God will love me and accept me. Or if I don't do these things, maybe God will love me and accept me. If we go there, we miss the gospel. We miss the good news that God is amazing and has done amazing things for his people. And because he does those amazing things, he gives his people a new identity. And that new identity prompts a new way of living, prompts obedience. So today we have to uh, face that question. I want to ask you uh, a couple things. One, where do you find your identity? What is it that is prompting how you live your life? And secondly, if you are, love me. I want to look away seeing the good news. It's a big chapter, but we're So the first thing I want us to So often don't smoke, don't drink, about what you do and what it says <clears throat> before you. Verse 12, he says, you're going to do rule. Down in verse 19, the tribe, verse 21, the Lord your God, not with who we are, this. God bring you to it. Remember, I'm the one who is bringing you. You will defree. This journey is hard. This journey that said, you know what, we would rather we had good food to eat to different lands. That's why God gives it with them. We need to see there. We're going to, we're going to see how is I am your God, God is, and what he's done. Verse 9. Israel doesn't look back to eat lands. I'm throwing this. Verse 9, know therefore that the Lord God is God. He is you. They were fickle. He's a faithful God who keeps. I mean, isn't that good news? The Lord is God. God is loving. Are more numerous in numbers. That's what I love. He's around here and more being born. My children are, are children, not be my kids. They are in the family, so we're going to live. Verse 6, I mean, you're, that's what holy means. These people are my people. They are for Israel in the old part for God's news, isn't it? I mean, they're Israel, but we know that this is... Do you have a treasured possession? At, or, you know, I know somebody... Value? World Magazine sitting, right? That familiar laying that about people who are out of darkness and here today thinking you, you are what you've done, right? Identity is from the Lord, secured for us in Christ. But with that identity comes a responsibility. That was just the first point, by the way. The next two will be really quick. Second point is this. Obedience is a response to identity, not a means to secure identity. Okay? Obedience to God's commands is a response to identity, not a means to secure identity. What I mean is this. Verse 11 says this. You shall therefore... Be careful to do the commandment and the statutes and the rules that I command you today. And because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers. He will love you, bless you, and multiply you. This is where it gets really tricky. Because often we can err on one side of grace or the other side of grace and totally miss what grace is. We can miss the gospel. Sometimes we can say, all right, I have to obey so that God will love and accept me. Or we can say, well, I'm saved by grace, so it doesn't really matter if I obey or not. I mean, Jesus died for my sins, so I can keep sinning. It doesn't matter. Both of those miss the gospel. <laughs> and the gospel is very clear, even in Deuteronomy, even in this set of verses. You see, Moses is established in the first, I mean, the whole book, but in today's chapter, the first half of this chapter, he's, 
He's hammered it away. Look, God is God. He's covenant-keeping. He's loving. He's faithful. He is your God. He's given you this identity. He's freed you. That God has identified you. He's chosen you. You are holy. You are cherished. You were loved. You were his people. Identity rests in who God is and what he's done. And then he says this. You shall therefore. Therefore, because God is God, because you're his people. Identity is established at that point. It's not obey to get that identity to get in with that God. It's that God has loved you, chosen you, set you apart as his people. God, you, therefore, since that's that, therefore, be careful to do the commandments and the statutes and the rules that I command you today. Obedience is important, people. We are to obey what the Lord says for his people to do. We are to live the way the Lord says his people are to live. Not so that we can become his people, but because we are his people. We have been identified in Christ as holy, chosen, set apart. The same way God bestowed that grace and blessing on Israel in the Old Testament, that good news is actualized for you and I today in Jesus Christ alone. Just like Israel did not free themselves from Egypt, we cannot free ourselves from sin, bondage, death, brokenness, idols, any of that. Pride, fear, we cannot free ourselves from that. Just as Israel was walking into a land of promise to thrive as God's people, we are to walk in unity together with God in Christ and together as God's people. Just as Israel was to not adapt the pagan cultural practices around them, we are not to either. Just as God commands his people Israel to do some things and to not do others, we too have a way to live differently. Obedience is a response to identity, not a means to secure it. The good news is that in Christ, through Christ, we are identified as a holy, chosen people, treasured possession through Christ by God. Because of that good news, we live differently. We obey not so that we become holy, not so that we will be chosen, not so that we will be treasured, not so that we will be loved. We obey because through Christ we are declared holy, because through Christ we have been identified as chosen, because through Christ we have been identified as treasured, because through Christ we are loved, because of that we are to obey. So what does that mean? Is it bad to have a glass of wine? Is it bad to dance? Is it bad to listen to punk rock? <laughs> you know, the Bible doesn't really talk about punk rock music. But there are things in Scripture that are very, very clear. That we are to love the Lord our God. That we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. That we are to serve one another, pray for one another, be submissive to one another. We're to confess sin to one another, that we're to repent and believe the gospel, that we are to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. There are numerous, numerous instructions in Scripture that we are to do and to refrain from doing. And let's not miss the motivation behind doing it. <laughs> so I want to tell you that if you read your Bible every day and if you pray X number of times and give X number of times and serve X number of times, then God will love you. I want to tell you that. 
But I say, man, God loves you. He accepts you in Christ. You were a new creation, a new identity, a new way of living. Man, I can't wait to see what that looks like when you were turned loose to thrive as that kind of person. Because that's what we see next. Third point. See, I told you something quick. So first, our identity is from the Lord. It's not something we take on ourselves. Second, obedience is a response to identity, not a means to secure it. And third, there is blessing in obedience and conflict from disobedience. There is blessing in obedience and conflict from disobedience. Verse 13 and 14 says, He will love you, bless you, multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your ground, your grain, your wine, your oil, the increase of your herds, the young of your flock, and the land that he swore to your fathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. Sounds pretty good, right? Look down at verse 21. He goes on to say, Hey, look, I have freed you from Egypt Verse 21, do not be in dread of them, for the Lord your God is in your midst, a great and awesome God. The Lord your God will clear away these nations before you little by little. You shall not make an end of them at once, lest the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will give them over to you. He will give their kings into your hand. You shall make their name perish from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. The carved images of their gods you shall burn with fire. You shall not cover it the silver or gold that is in on them or take them for yourselves, lest you be ensnared by it. For it is an abomination to the Lord your God. You shall not bring an abominable thing into your house and become devoted to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest and abhor it, for it is devoted to destruction. You see, there's some warnings there. God says, look, I'm your God, you're my people. Because I'm your God, because you're my people, I want you to obey me. Because you're my people. Now, when you obey me, things will go well. I will bless you. I will multiply you. Things are going to go well for your family, for your livestock, for your, you know, your harvest. I'm going to, he says he's going to clear away sickness and disease from them. Now, this is great. We see that and say, well, how come that's happening? I'm battling a cold right now. You're like, well, man, I mean, if this is true, this is a promise given directly to Israel, but it is a foreshadowing of what's to come for us in Christ. I mean, ultimately, heavenly, there will be no sickness and death, and we look forward to that. In the meantime, there is the slow process of battling to remind us, but the truth remains, there is blessing and obedience and conflict and disobedience. You see, God says, he doesn't say, obey me, to be my people, he says, you're my people, obey me. By the way, when you obey me, I will continue to bless and things are going to go well. If you disobey me, things are not going to go well. doesn't mean they're not his people anymore. It doesn't mean that he's not their God anymore. That's an important point. Because I think some of us can look at that and say, well, I mean, the second you disobey the Lord, he's not your God anymore. You're not his person going to hell because you smoked a cigarette, you know? I battled with this for real in high school, not cigarettes, but like I listened to like, you know, bad music was like, man, I don't know if I'm a Christian. And I, went, I went and saw a Tool in concert. And I just, God still loves me, you know. If you don't know who that is, don't even look it up. You know, 
See, there's blessing and obedience and conflict and disobedience. And this is the pattern we see throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. In fact, we see God's people continually disobeyed after this. And throughout Israel's being their God. First stopped pursuing them. It's not giving you a... You can't go rob a bank. You can rob Things We are to enjoy joy. Disobey me, there's going to be... I want us to know that obedience does not... All of us are walking in here with some sort of... You know, Jeremy, I'm rest with your mouth and believe is like wrapping you and eating. Otherwise, we must repent of our religion. Maybe you struggle with that. Over there, disobey, then rebellion, disobedience. Scripture says here that God had to humble you, but he is a long-time believer, a new believer, or even a not-yet-believer. I want us to believe the gospel, the good news, that in Christ we are declared holy, chosen, treasured, loved. And because of that, we can obey as God's people. Let me pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you that you are a good and holy God, that you are a loving, covenant-keeping, faithful God to your people who are fickle and unfaithful. God, as we've seen throughout Scripture, from Adam and Eve, through Israel, through the New Testament church, and even in our lives today, God, that we are fickle, broken people that find ourselves running back to the hardship of our past that seeks to enslave us, or maybe the temptations of the present whether that be cultural sin and idols, or maybe that is um, brokenness in some regard, or maybe that's even pride or fear that manifests in some way. God, I pray that you would indeed humble us, that we would see our hardship as not punishment, but God, that we would see disobedience and rebellion brings conflict, but God, that you will discipline us as your children through that, and that we would lean on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who ultimately has freed us from Satan, sin, and death, who has identified us to be your people as holy, chosen, beloved, treasured people. So, God, I pray that we would rejoice in that good news. Lord, I pray that you would convict us of sin and rebellion in our hearts and minds. But, God, we would be quick to embrace the forgiveness that is secured in Christ. God, that we would know that our identity is based on who you are and what you've done through Christ, and that that identity prompts obedience and God that you would forgive us when we disobey and rebel that we would be quick to repent and turn back to Jesus God I pray for a great amount of grace for all of us in the room regardless of our struggle regardless of our sin or our disbelief or our sadness or brokenness or anger or whatever it may be God I pray that we would rest in the grace of the gospel we thank you in Jesus good and holy name amen